Romans chapter 5, uh, we'll be looking at uh, verses 12 through 21, if you kind of want to be thinking ahead. <clears throat> I am not uh, an overly emotional guy, like the, the, like the, the warm, bubbly, feely, touchy, not me. And so when, um, when Laura was pregnant with Emery, uh, you know, people would come up to me like, aren't you, aren't you pumped? And I was always kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool, you know, it's good, it's a good thing. Uh, they're like, oh, well, you know, when you hold her, like, there's just, you're going to be like, oh, it's like you hold your firstborn, you know, it's just going to be, you're just going to have like this, this like flood of emotions, it's just going to be amazing, you're, you're not going to know what to do, it's just going to be so tremendous. Do you know who that is, babe? Who is that? You? Who is this? I don't know. Well, you know. Well, you know, I guess we got some things to talk about when we get home. <laughs> These two pictures are, re- are related to one another, and, and I'll get there. So, so, you know, they brought Emery into us. Uh, Laura had a very complicated uh, delivery, and so it was somewhere before midnight. The C-section, we were in the hospital for like five days. It was, it was craziness. They bring Emery in, and so I'm holding her for the first time, and I'm waiting for the feels. The feels didn't come. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't good. This is not good. Like, are you human? Like, what's wrong with you? You know? And, uh, and so, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was just a really funny situation. So, you know, the next day, uh, uh, the next day they, they bring her in, um, you know, early in the morning, like 7, 8, something like that. And, like, Laura feeds her and then passes out. Just, like, passes out. Like, she did something difficult the day before. Ridiculous. <laughs> leaves me, leaves me to hold this, this, you know, blob, like this thing. And, and I, like, I'm not really responsible for me, let alone responsible for this. And here, here I am. It's just me and her. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to a hospital at 8 in the morning, but it's not, like, a thrilling place. Um, and if it is a thrilling place, that's not good. And so I'm like, what, you know, what do we do? And so I turn on cable, uh, the, the, the TV, and there is not a lot of options also on uh, whatever package the hospital has purchased. Uh, the only thing that is even remotely interesting is, if you don't know who this is, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> and so for the next four or five days, uh, Laura continues to, to, to you know, feed Emery and then pass out, leaving me completely alone. And so Emery and I, we spend the next uh, uh, you know, four hours every single day watching Walker, Texas Ranger, which is a lot of Walker, Texas Ranger. At first you think this was a bad decision, but then somewhere around like day three or four, you're like, this is really, really good. I don't know if it's brainwashing, I don't know what happened, but I still have a soft spot. So what I can say there is that at the end of that week... Uh, or that at the end of that four or five days, and, and we're sitting home, like, I love this kid. Like, I, I, don't, I can't put my finger on, on the point when it happened, but she just, she has my heart. And I get these feels that I really don't like. It, it, let me explain to you how terrible the feels are. I'm watching a trailer this week. This week, there's a trailer out for the new Wolverine movie, Logan. I don't know if you've seen it. And the trailer's a couple minutes long. And so this is, everybody, Wolverine, like the X-Men, this is a superhero movie. That's what this is. And so Wolverine, you know, I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for some action. And he's like, karate kick. 
take some people and like, you know, do your superhero thing. But like there's like this father-daughter motif that starts happening where he's like protecting this girl. And, and it's happening throughout this trailer. And I'm starting to feel... And I'm not saying my eyes got misty. I am not saying my eyes got misty at all. And that a Wolverine trailer, because of the father-daughter connection. But if you look at this blob, what, what, what did she do to earn that love? Right, And what would, uh, as a parent, you ever ask her to do to earn that love? That's right? not how it works. And when I use the word grace, which is the next word in our um, concept of saved being massive, massive thing. When I use the word grace, that's what I mean. Love that is so deep that there is not an enough words to get there. Now, I know some of you guys come from bad homes, and when I say God is Father, you think gross because your father was a terrible person. I am sorry that that is your experience. But I want you to understand that, that what I'm talking about is, is this kind of love, the love I've just been describing. Not that I'm a perfect father, because I am definitely not in any way. But if me being a really, really terrible person can have even a modicum of that kind of love and compassion for, for a child, think of how much the perfect heavenly father has love and compassion and grace for you. Grace that you didn't earn and grace that he didn't ask you to earn. Grace that is of a gift. And this is something that we so easily miss and we so easily forget, but we should revel in it, guys. We should revel in it. And that is the picture of what we get here in these verses. And I'm going to read them, so if you've looked them up, Romans 5, verses 12 through 21 I'd encourage you to follow along, or if you're more of an oral listener than, or learner, then just hit it up and listen. Therefore, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more will the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the, judge, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses has brought about justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, those are always like conclusion words, so pay attention to therefores. 
Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as Sin reigned in death. Grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now that might have seemed like a lot. Felt like a lot. I've had people say, I don't like reading Romans because Paul writes like a lawyer. Like there were so many like twists and turns and that. I, I'm, I had a hard time tracking it. And, and I've, I've heard that a lot. But I, I think this is a lot clearer than maybe we make it out to be. And so I kind of want to lay it out real, as, as cleanly and neatly as I can to try to summarize what Paul is getting after. So if we're looking at verses 12 through 14a, think of sin like a virus. Adam is the first man. You remember the story. Some of you might be new to Christianity or new to the Bible. That's okay. If you go all the way back to the beginning, you might have even heard this somewhere else, the story of Adam and Eve. And Adam is told by God, hey, listen, you can eat Anything you want in here. Like, go nuts, dude. Make all kinds of... Sa- I, I don't care what you do. Just this one tree, don't eat from it. And Adam says, oh, that looks really good. I think I'll eat from that one anyway, right? And so he does. And he brings into the world sin. And like a virus, it spreads. For all of us have sinned. Make sense? Spreads to everyone. All of us have sinned. Verses 14 through 17. Adam is a type. He is one person who does something really terrible and it sends trespass, it sends sin to, to everyone else. And he is a type because there is another man who is coming. And instead of the virus, he is going to carry the vaccine. He is going to bring about the, the, the solution to the problem. He is going to bring about the salvation of his people. He's going to bring about justification, reconciliation. And all of this is going to come through a free gift. The trespass is an action that we do, right? When you trespass or you sin or you do something that's wrong, that's something that's an action you do. But a gift is something you're given. And so the gift is not like the trespass. The action, the trespass, the things that we do wrong, those things bring about death. But the gift that is given in Jesus brings about life. Verse 17 summarizes this. For if because of one person's sin, one person's trespass, death reigned through that one person, Adam, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verses 18 through 21 then describe this. Where the law increases sin, grace abounds even more. And we are in the situation of being in abundant grace. Let me illustrate you, uh, this, this last concept especially for you. Uh, I don't, I'm not a really big fan of cereal, um, but I, I do like cereal, but only the kind that has marshmallows in it because I have the palate of a nine-year-old. And so Lucky Charms are good all your... You know what I'm talking about. yes. Uh, Lucky charms are are good all year round, but this is Halloween. And Halloween 
is marshmallow cereal heaven? Because now we have booberry. You know booberry? Has everybody had booberry? If you haven't had booberry, get thee hence to a store because you need booberry. And it's close second is, is frankenberry. Frankenberry is also very good. Booberry is a little bit better, but very good. So we have all of these. We have the Lucky Charms. We have the Booberry. We have the Frankenberry. And then we have the, the you can't count chocolate. I mean, you can't chocolate marshmallows. How do you pass up chocolate marshmallows, right? So, so these are all sitting out. Uh, this week, I come, I come home, and I had a really early morning. I pick up Emery, and we get, we get home um, uh, late, late in the afternoon, late in the evening. Um, and I am, I'm just bushing. I'm like, listen, take a snack. Let me take a nap. I need 20 minutes. And so... I give her, she says, I want Lucky Charms. So I put Lucky Charms in a, this is important to the story, a white, what color? White, white bowl, right? Put the Lucky Charms, little Lucky Charms in there, in the white bowl, and I say, eat your snack, Daddy's saying nap, I'll be back out in like 20 minutes. So I come out in 20 minutes and I find something on the table. <laughs> now, there, there's several things that are wrong with this picture. What's wrong with this picture? It's not white. It's not the bowl that I gave you. But there's also something missing in all of this cereal. All of the marshmallows have been eaten. There's also something, this, I don't know, you might not recognize, if you're not a, you know, a marshmallow, you might not recognize it. This is not Lucky Charms. This is Frankenberry. Frankenberry, which at this point had not been opened yet, just so you know. So we had a little talk, right? And she didn't eat much dinner either. Is, there are natural consequences when things go wrong, some things that we, 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 we do. And there's natural consequences to this action, some of them being we no longer leave cereal unattended, especially if it has marshmallows in it, when Emery is home by herself. That's a natural consequence. But now there is a new law in the Calicut house. Can you guess what that law would be? You, you eat all of the cereal, not just the marshmallows. Do as I say, not as I do, right? This is... Uh, and, so, and so this new law, this, this law that is now in place has increased the trespass. Because before she can say, and she does, I, she's used this word technically. Well, technically, she's six. Technically, you didn't say, don't do this. Technically, I'm going to put you through this wall, right? Technically, that's true. We didn't. And so before the law, there's consequences, but they are not as dire. Technically, now that the law is in place, if she does this again, the trespass is increased because it's direct disobedience. Does that make sense? This is what Paul's talking about. Obviously, this is not exactly what Paul's talking about, but hopefully you catch the similarities. What Paul is saying is he's saying, before Moses, before the Ten Commandments, before God stepped into history and said, do this and don't do this, there was all kinds of consequences. Sin reigned, death reigned, but once God said, listen, I am telling you, this is how I want you to live, and this is how I don't want you to live, he increased our culpability. Okay? You with me? He increased his expectations of us. So now if we live as we are not supposed to live, if we break, if we trespass, if we sin, it increases that much more. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying when Jesus came, it was so high. 
The trespass was amazing. We had broken God's law and broken God's law and broken God's law and broken God's law. And yet what has happened? Grace has still come. And what does that mean? It means that grace abounded. It means that all of the things, this, this law that came to increase the, the trespass that was laid in front of us means that Jesus, who is the propitiation for our sins, Jesus, who takes the weight of the judgment that we deserve, by his wounds we are healed, right? That, that he takes our sin and then imputation, he hands us his justice, his righteousness, his goodness, so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see Jordan's good deeds, he doesn't see Jordan's bad deeds, he sees the goodness of Jesus, so that I can stand before God justified, so God can look at me and say, this man is pardoned because of what Jesus has done. And not only does he want to justify me, but he wants to have reconciliation with me. He wants to take me in his arms. He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to be my God, and he wants to call Jordan his son. Remember Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. A place for you in my Father's house. There's many rooms And one of those rooms is marked off for me. What did I do to earn that? What could I possibly do to earn that? None of this. This is all, and I hope that you see this, this last word, this great word grace here. All of this stuff is reflected in the word grace because this is none of us. This is all of God, and that's what we mean when we use the word saved. It's an incredible, glorious, wonderful mystery. Mystery. Verse 20. Now the law came and it increased the trespass. But where sin had increased, God still saved us. So what does that mean? Grace abounds to sinners like you, like me. Grace then is our word. Uh, Correlated to that is free gift. I, I underlined them, in my, I, I write in my Bible, I underlined in them because I, I just kept on reading this again and again. See how often free gift shows up. Verse 15, the free gift is not like the trespass. Verse 15, again, the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Verse 16, the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. Uh, verse 16, again, the free gift follows, uh, following um, has, gives justification for many. Again, in verse 17, the free gift of righteousness to those who will reign in the life of, G- of Jesus Christ. Free gift. I mean, uh, free gift is kind of a redundant term, isn't it? Because, because a gift is, is just something that is free. You have given somebody something as a gift. But I like that he has to use the word free. It's like he has to be redundant about it because we, we, we just we, we don't give gifts. This is one of the things that I don't like about Christmas. In fact, the only thing, everything else about Christmas is amazing. Um, but don't you just feel like you're trading cash with people sometimes? Like, I, like I've got to buy you a gift because you're going to buy me a gift. And so why don't we just keep our 50 bucks like, or 10 bucks or whatever. Keep your white elephant junk. I don't want it. Like, if it's terrible and you don't want it at your house, why would I want it in mine? What? Why? Right? Um, and, so, and so, like, the, the, whole, the whole gift-giving thing, I think, is really lost on us because we don't really give gifts that, ver- that much. We don't often offer to somebody something without expecting something else in return. 
And so it's very difficult for us to think of God in these terms. But the Bible is saying, think of God in these terms. The free gift of grace. Grace and the free gift kind of, they, they, they merge. They're, they're sort of mirrored. They're, they, they touch one another. They're so important. I have a friend up in Grand Rapids. Um, we were talking, and he was talking about doing ministry in the street. And he was talking with this person. And, and, and uh, the person said, yeah, I, I know that I need to go to church. And my friend said to him, no, you need to trust Jesus. Now, does that mean that my friend doesn't believe in church? Dude goes to church more than me, right? He, church is, of course, important. But church doesn't save you. Jesus does. And our response to this amazing grace is to love his people and to want to worship him and to be in his presence and to seek his truth. And that's what, that's what we're doing here in response, not, not, not to earn, not to earn. Notice how often the word grace is used here. Verse 15, the grace of God, the free gift of grace. Again, there at the end of verse 15. Uh, verse 16, but the free gift of, of grace. Um, uh, uh, verse 17, the abundance of grace. Down in verse 20, grace abounded all the more. Verse 21, so that sin reigned in death, but grace reigns through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Grace is abundant and being poured out to those who would receive it through faith. And one of the things that I've noticed about people in my time in ministry is this. There is nothing more difficult to wrap our minds around than that word way over there. That word, grace, you're probably more familiar with. Uh, as I said before, uh, Jesse was, said that I made this word up. And now she knows she's wrong about some this and other things as well. But, you know, this especially. These are words that you might not be familiar with, but grace, we know that word. You've heard that word, and yet that word is just so hard for us to grab a hold of. And the Bible's pleading with you to grab a hold of it. Luke 7 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And in Luke 7, Jesus is encountering, throughout the, the book, he's encountering people who Jesus should, like, shun, ignore, completely push away. The beginning of Luke 7 is uh, Jesus encountering a centurion. When you encounter the centurion, you should understand that this is like you running into a guy who is still fighting for ISIS. He still wants to cut the heads off Christians, burn babies, do all kinds of craziness. This is this guy, and he will do it to your house if his commander says to do it. And Jesus encounters this man, and he does what? Read Luke 7, you'll find out. The, the chapter ends, though, with Jesus in this house of the Pharisee. The Pharisee is sort of like, well, like me. <laughs> Somebody who, who is really involved, has checked off all the right marks, even maybe gone to college, got a Bible degree, knows a lot of stuff. And, and Jesus is hanging out with these Pharisees, and they're in this house, and this woman comes in, a, a, a woman of the city. Woman of the city. All the adults in this room know what that means. Right? And she comes in, and she falls at the feet of Jesus, and she weeps, tears all over his feet. Then she takes her hair, and she wipes uh, his feet clean. And his feet, you have to understand, like when she's crying and wiping his feet, his feet aren't clean. This is a Middle Eastern dude walking around the roads that were not paved. Right? This is, his feet were dirty. And she literally washed them with her tears, dried them with her hair. There is nothing more humble than being near somebody's feet, right? 
because it's gross in general, but when they're dirty, it's extra so. She is throwing herself at the feet of Jesus, weeping and wiping them with her tears, pouring kisses upon them, kissing his feet. And then uh, in some of the texts we say it's, it's, it's called to be nard, but she breaks this ointment, so it would have really had to snap it open. This ointment was really expensive, and she would have probably owned it for probably only one person. It's possible it might have been something else, but it's most likely that she had got it for her funeral. That, that, that this woman slept with a lot of people that she did not want to sleep with to earn money to buy this expensive perfume so that at her death there might be something nice and dignified given to her. Because she has had no dignity up to this point. And she cracks that open and she bathes Jesus' feet with the only dignity that she was ever going to receive. Now, if you can sit there for a moment and imagine seeing this. Everyone knows this woman. They know what she's done. They know what she does. And they're repulsed by her, right? Because in the story, most likely, you and I aren't the woman. Most likely, we're Simon the Pharisee. And don't pretend like you're not. Because I don't know who it is, but there's somebody that you're like, you're disgusting. You went to jail, you're disgusting. You molest a child, you're disgusting. You're transgender, you have an abortion. I, I don't know what it is. Whatever it is for you, there is somebody that you say, that person's disgusting, that person is vile, that person doesn't belong at the feet of Jesus. And here she is, weeping, and the room is full of this aroma, and it's just scandalous. And Simon is doing what any normal person would do. Does this guy not know who this chick is? And if he did, if he was really a prophet, if he was really, if he was really in tune with God, he would know who's touching her, and he wouldn't let her do it. And Jesus says, let me tell you something. And Simon, I just imagine him sort of being sort of shook, you know, like he's in his head thinking what's going on. Go ahead, Jesus, because we always have to put on our good church face, right? Like, I'm not judgmental. And Jesus says, there's two people with student loan debts. Oh, man. One with a, you know, 10,000, one with like 150,000 over here in this general vicinity. And Nelnet calls, who owns our souls, and says, I'm going to forgive your debt. Who will love that phone caller more? And Simon says, well, right, the person who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. He says, you, you came here. I came here. You didn't give me water for my feet. She washed my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a towel to dry myself off. She dried, her, dried me with her own hair. You, you didn't give me a kiss when I came in. You didn't greet me that warmly. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't, you didn't recognize me for who I am. And she has poured out the only dignity she will ever have all over my feet. I tell you, her sins, which are many. And I love that Jesus does. Like, 
this is the thing that, one of the reasons, many reasons why I really believe in the Bible, and I, I just, I can't, I, if we're making stuff up, we would put a cleaner face on things, right? Jesus doesn't play. He doesn't say, well, you know, she's not that bad. You know, you shouldn't be such a, he says, her sins are many. It's a fact. Her sins are many, and they are forgiven. Because she loved much. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I dig that story. I really dig that story. I dig that story because it makes me feel like a hypocrite. Because I look down my nose at people all the time. I love that story because I want to be that woman. I, I, I want to say I have many sins and I want to just fall at the feet of Jesus. And I just want, I just want to pour it, pour it out. And, and ch- people, we, we, sometimes you're, just, you're, you're in church too much. I, I don't mean that literally. You need to come to church more often. But I mean the, the mindset. Sometimes we just lose sight of this thing that we call grace. And we just so infrequently give it to one another. And so infrequently give it to the world. And so infre- we are so divided. And so quick to get angry and so quick to hold a judge and a grudge and so quick to, so quick to do all these things. And, and it's just increasing. The whole of society, I think, is like that. And we should be the people who say, there's grace. We don't deny reality of sin, but we are the people who say there's a free gift. It's called Grace. I'd love to share it with you. I'd love to show it to you. I'd love to live with you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you do. I, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. There's a, there's a thing that happens in people sometimes too where, where we just have this idea that, man, I am just too bad. I am just too evil. I am just too awful. And you've got it all wrong. In fact, the entire thing is reversed. The more mistakes that you have made, the more sin that you have in your life, the more that you have for God to forgive, the more God is able to let his grace shine. So if you are here today and you say, I'm too broken, I'm saying you are you, you're definitely broken. God loves broken people. They're his favorite kind of people. Because broken people fall at Jesus' feet. And they pour their dignity out on him. And they say, all that I have is yours because I have nothing at all. And the people who have it all sit back and, and think, what is this? What kind of people are we? Because we ought to be the people who are down there with that woman. We ought to be people who declare this saving grace. We ought to be the people who are in love with this Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. And we ought to get off all, any high horse that we might happen to be on and we need to fall at the feet of Jesus and invite the world to come to know this grace. Paul says it is by grace you were have saved. That's what God wanted to do. He chose to do this for you. So come and know him. And we sing this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. 
was blind, but now I see. It's an amazing song, isn't it? It's an amazing song. It's truth so powerful, so biblical. You know, I, I showed you a picture, started it off with a picture of Emery. You know, I, I think more and more how kids are uh, because kids just sort of uh, trust dad if he catches them, right? So Emery will leap off things just like at me. Just, he'll probably catch me. I won't smash my face or break my arm. Like, just randomly jump off things. She's done this off of beds. She's done this off of, like, half walls. She's, here I come. Like, you hold the, the baby, and the, I, I almost put some pictures up of, 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 of there's a picture that we have of, of Emery sort of sleeping with, with Laura. And then there's a picture of Emery, like, like screaming and pushing red-faced against Laura. And I love those two pictures because I think that there are two people in this room, two kinds of people in this room. There are those who are resting comfortably and letting God hold them and saying, it really wasn't about me. I really couldn't do it. And I can't, God, just hold me. When they pray, God, your will be done. When we look at others, we see the possibility of, they, they could, God wants to hold them too. God's arms are really big. And then there's some of us who are like screaming and crying and we're like pushing against God with all of our might trying to leap out of his arms. I was watching Isabella this week. She wanted mom. She wanted mom to come home. I was watching their, their little girl. Um, and so she was standing at our, uh, our stairs just screaming, just screaming her head off. And I, I'd pick her, I'd be like, let me hold you and pick you up. And, and she was and just, no, because you are not mom, Right? Are you fighting God? Are you pushing him away when what you need to do is take a nap in his arms? Have faith. Put it in Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not because of what you have done. Because if it was because of what you've done, you could boast. But God has shown his great love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. If you need to place your faith in Jesus, if you need somebody to, to walk with you, if you need somebody to pray with you, we'll have an elder down front, I'll be down front. We'd love to take the next step with you in faith. But don't let today go without grabbing hold of God, without coming to the feet of Jesus one more time and letting him wash over you in his amazing grace. Let's stand at your feet.